Welcome everyone to the Zojo Talk podcast. I'm Paul Lefevre, the Zojo Developer Evangelist, and this time my guest is Craig Boyd. Craig writes the database column for XDev Magazine and is a data architect. Craig, welcome to Zojo Talk. Thanks, Paul. Glad to be here. Well, like I usually do with uh, people on Zojo Talk, why don't you uh, start off by telling us a little bit about how you came to use Zojo and what you use it for? Yeah, sure. So I started using Real Basic back around 5.5. I'm not sure what year that is. That would have been 2004. Okay. So, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I was looking for something to write some utilities in that I needed to, some database scripts. Uh, and I came across Zojo and I thought, hmm, this looks like something I could use pretty easily. And it connected to databases really easy. It wasn't real complicated. Um, I messed around with .NET for a little bit, and I didn't like all the plumbing. Um, re- kind of reminded me of the uh, the scene from Star Trek, uh, Search for Spock, where Scotty has stopped the Excelsior by just pulling out eight little nuts and bolts. And he says, the more complicated the plumbing, the easier it is to stop it up. <laughs> and that, that just kind of sums up .NET for me. But it, anyway, um, anyway, I, I started messing around with it there and started using it more and more for my own kind of uh, applications and utilities, not anything that anybody else would care to use. Um, and over time, just grew to really like it and love it. And so now I use it for all kinds of uh, helper things. Uh, I've got a couple of database tools that I can use with Zojo and kind of automate them a little bit. Um, so it's, it's, it's really a big help to me in my day-to-day life. So it's kind of your little, uh, magical tool kit that you use for doing stuff to help you get work done. It really is. Yeah. That's, that's pretty similar to how I started using it is I was, uh, doing database development back in the early two thousands, uh, primarily, I guess, power builder and Oracle. And, uh, I came across this cause I wanted to make some apps on my Mac and, Ended up using it at work for um, stuff that we weren't, not, not for the products we were selling, but for tools to help to connect it to the Oracle databases or to process other data that would then be used by other apps and stuff like that. And it was it was way faster than whipping out those things, trying to use Power Builder or, or, oh, then, yeah. or then later .NET. Because as you said, those things have a lot of plumbing. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, and it was they just had so much overhead when you're just trying to make an app that, you know, maybe you wanted to hand off to one of the business analysts or the testers or the doc writers to use to do something to help them with their job. And you're like, well, geez, I don't want to, you know, build this full-blown app with all this deployment crap just to hand off to them. To Then they're going to run it, you know, a couple times a week or something. Yeah. Yeah, probably my favorite app that I've written with it has been a, um, a report to tell database or the developers in the group what has changed in the database since the last release and so it actually goes through and looks at a snapshot and then looks at the current picture of the database and spits out a spreadsheet with all kinds of highlighting that shows what's changed what's new what's gone makes life so much easier for everybody and does it do that from a schema or data or both perspective Uh, it actually reads from an Irwin file okay yeah i've used Irwin. For people that haven't, that's a data modeling tool that lets you draw pretty pictures of your database. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. sometimes I joke that some people just want us to draw lines and boxes. Yeah. (laughs) 
So what sort of databases primarily are you working with? Uh, right now, I primarily work on Oracle and Teza and SQL Server. But I've worked on DB2 and, uh, gosh, Info, uh, Informix, uh, Postgres, MySQL, uh, just about all of them at some point in time or another. Okay, I didn't catch the name of the one you said after Oracle. Uh, Nateza. Oh, yeah, I've not heard of that. Nateza? N-E-T-E-Z-Z-A, Nateza. Oh, I, I've definitely heard of that. Actually, it's actually a data uh, data warehouse utility. Oh, okay. Kind of black box, kind of like Green Plum or some of the others uh, where you can roll this thing out real quick and easy and build a data warehouse it's more of a columnar database as opposed to table and relationships. Right. Yeah. In fact, which, it doesn't support relationships at all. Yeah. That would make sense if it's more for data warehousing. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. And to, and you connect with or have connected with all of those using Zojo. Um, most of those I have. N- yeah, actually I have, I have connected to Natiza with Zojo and it works just fine. It uses the ODBC driver. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that's a pretty uh, handy little thing for connecting to databases that uh, Zojo doesn't natively know anything about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I we Before this, we were talking a little bit. I used the ODBC driver in a client project years ago to talk to a DB2 database um, that was running on, I think, uh, yeah, iSeries is what the, the client called it. And you were correcting me before because I had no idea what that really meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the i series was previously known as the AS four hundred. I actually uh, did admin work on those for a while, uh, and programming and RPG and COBOL. Um, oh goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and RPG is actually really a nice language, but that's uh, it's not object oriented at all, or at least it wasn't back then. Uh, very procedural, uh, but yeah iSeries DB2, it's, you couldn't have a column name that was any longer than eight characters long, and table names couldn't be more than, I think, ten. Those sound familiar. Yeah, and so as a result, you would end up with these ugly, ugly column names. Well, that would explain some of the stuff I was seeing, because I was building an app that uh, would kind of pull some source data from there into a SQLite database for offline use. And I was just befuddled at some of the strange conventions they had for naming things. And, you know, I I wasn't like saying, why the heck do you do it this way? But internally I was thinking that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and if they were using, there's a couple tools out there that will auto-generate code and it will also auto-generate the uh, database as well. And so it uses basically those eight digits for a coded lookup. So the first two is a prefix for the subject area. So if it was purchase orders, it might be PO and then a sequence number. And it just got really crazy. Wow. Yeah. That explains a lot. That's surprising, but I guess that's that database has probably been around forever, much like Oracle and probably has a lot of historical baggage associated with it. Yeah, it really does. Um, on the iSeries, the database is actually integrated into the operating system. So if you upgrade the operating system, you also upgrade the database at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, but that's different from the way it's implemented on the mainframe. On the mainframe, it's a separate software application. 
uh, and it doesn't have the same limitations that it does on the I-Series. But they call them all the same name. They do. It's crazy. And their flavor for AIX and Windows is still yet more different from the others. And so I just, I don't get it. It's crazy. <laughs> huh. Well, yeah, I, I mean, at least, no, I can't say at least, but I mean, it always seems like Oracle was Oracle, uh, no matter where you used <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. At least back when I used it, which is at this point is going on, you know, it's been 10 years since I've used that thing, uh, you know, day to day. So I'm definitely behind the times, but that's, that's what I recall anyway. Yeah. Oh, I, I love Oracle. Of any of them, the databases, that's my favorite. Uh, yeah, when I worked with Oracle, I can't say that I loved it at the time. Um, I did do a lot of stored procedure development with it. Oh, and, yeah. And when I ended up moving on to .NET and then working more with SQL Server, I I appreciated SQL Server's better, I guess it was simpler to work with, had much better tools and control panels and stuff like that. But it's yes. uh, it's. I didn't find its store procedure language to be very nice, um, so I didn't like that aspect of it. But when we were building .NET apps, we tr we tended not to rely as heavily on store procedures, so it didn't prove to be as big a problem. Sure. But with Oracle, we relied very heavily on store procedures, which was uh, tedious. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, those were difficult yeah, to debug and interface and stuff. What was that? You said it was one of the strengths of Oracle? Yeah, one of the strengths is their stored procedures. Ah, yeah. They execute very, very well. Yeah, using those, we were able to get some significant performance improvements on, you know, databases that had, you know, millions of rows and stuff like that. You could really get things down to be pretty speedy. Oh, yeah. So you've been writing the database column for XDev Magazine. That's uh, the Zojo Developer Magazine. I'm going to guess for like three years or so. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at that the other day, and I think it's actually uh, like two and a half or two and three quarter or something like that. So pretty close to three years, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm only, yeah, that's probably right. And I'm remembering this. The reason I'm smiling when I remember this is because Craig took over the column from me. Uh, yes, I did. When I had, is at the time I had, I had just started at Zojo. This would have been like 2012. And some point, like six months later, I was writing three columns for the magazine. <laughs> yeah. I was writing the database column, the web column, and then I was my Zojo talk column. And I talked to Mark and I said, I can't keep this up. <laughs> and I had written the database column since issue two. Really? I didn't realize you'd written it that long. Yeah, when he originally started the magazine, he uh, this would have been in 2002. He had sent an email out to the community and said, "Hey, I'm going to be starting a magazine. I'm looking for columnists. You know, send me uh, ideas for columns. You know, I'm going to go through them and pick stuff and uh, and we'll get going." And the magazine came out with issue one sometime in summer of 2002. And I had sent the proposal in to do a database column because at the time that's primarily what I used uh, Real Basic for. Yeah, and uh, and he, at that point, I guess it was a little too late, and he already had his columnist slots filled. So he emailed me and said, you know, I like this, but I probably won't be able to run it regularly. And then he released the magazine. I think he said it was at Macworld New York back when they were still doing those. And uh, after he got back from that, he uh, called me up and he said, Paul, the only thing everybody was asking me about was a database column. 
<laughs> you're in the next issue and every issue after that. So I, I've written in every issue of that magazine except for the very first issue. Wow, that's actually very impressive. Yeah, it's hard. I, I am not always on time. Uh, I have to frequently my emails to him are sorry I'm late, and then the column <laughs> follows. But uh, <laughs> you know, I am so glad you confess that because I I'm probably just a little bit better than that, but not much. I yeah. think uh, in the last two and a half years, I've gotten four columns in on time or ahead of time. All uh, the rest are like probably two or three weeks before the dead or before he has to publish. All right. Well, four, you have, you've blown me away. I, I say my number is zero. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one, maybe one. But uh, usually I forget. Like, I think he just sent a reminder out now for what he wants uh, columns by the end of, end of July. And yeah, he tries sending the reminders earlier than late. And, you know, it doesn't matter. I still forget. And, uh, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, crap, I was supposed to get that article in the mark last week. And so boom, trying to hurry up and come up with a topic. And write an article, but yeah, it's a little but, easier know, I, for me now. I mean, the, the database columns were, I mean, harder. You had to come up with some topics and, you know, do some research and stuff like that. And your database columns are longer than mine ever were. So you must have to put a lot more work into them. I do end up spending, I think I end up spending close to six hours on a column, maybe seven, depending upon what's going on. Uh, just because I like to, kind of dig into what I'm doing so it doesn't come across as, uh, you know, you know, get the, the emails that say, oh, you forgot this. And so I just, I, I like to be as thorough as I can in that length of space that I have. That's what I was going to say. Thorough would be the word I describe uh, for your columns is they, they cover everything right there. Mine would be much more of a slice through the top kind of thing. Cause yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I really enjoy the writing aspect of it, too. To just sit down and think and put the, the pen to paper is a wonderfully uh, cathartic, for, cathartic for me. Very relaxing. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely fun to write like that. And it's it's just it's beneficial for lots of other things. I mean, you know, communication is just so key to every part of someone's work life, particularly in technology. And so many people are bad at it. Yes. So it's just good practice. Mm -hmm. It is. And so I enjoy it. Well, that's good. I, I, I hadn't talked to you too much before. We, we met for the first time at XTC uh, this past April, I guess it was. Yeah. And uh, so and now I'm learning. I didn't realize you had such an extensive database background. I, I suppose I kind of knew it based on what you were writing and the, the level of detail and stuff. But uh, I didn't realize you've apparently used every database system known to man. Well, okay, that's probably a bit of a stretch. It didn't sound uh, like it. <laughs> well, okay, in all fairness, uh, I think Firebird popped up on the forums here not too long ago. And, and so I downloaded that for the first time and just fired it up and went, oh, that's interesting, and then shut it back down. Well, so you've used it. You can add that to your list. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I wouldn't add that one to the list. So there, there's at least a handful that I haven't used. I've used pretty much all the commercial ones. Um, you know, I really hadn't used the uh, Valentina products much. And I, from what I hear, most people kind of like those. I have used those once with a client project uh, quite a while ago. Um, and yeah, they're neat. I, they're very speedy. Um, 
they have, I think, like three different ways to communicate with the database. They get you can use the Zojo database API, and I think they get a couple other ones. One's more object based, and I don't remember what the yeah. other one is. So it depends on how the app was designed. I had I was taking over development of one. I found that that uh, some of the installation was a little trickier, and the docs were uh, dense. Uh, it I think the docs were written by non English speakers, so they're a little hard for English folks to kind of plow through. But sure. uh, there's a lot of, you know, if you if you know how to do a database, you can usually figure it out. And I think Valentina might be columnar, though. I think you're right. I seem to remember reading that somewhere. So I seem to recall it had it had something that was weird. I don't remember what it was now, but there was something that you would find. You would always see in any relational database, but Valentina didn't have it. Um, but it did have super speed for lots of stuff. So that's always good. And it's still round, still works great with Zojo. And, uh, oh, yeah. And they do make now a popular reporting product that uh, can be used to generate some slick reports that work with Zojo. Yeah, I remember reading a little bit about that. And that's something that I know that's kind of a, a thing within the, the community is we all really wish Zojo would come out with a, a better reporting tool, but they just hadn't seemed to been able to get around to that yet. Yeah, the reporting tool that's in Zojo now is... Uh, you know, pretty basic. It it can do for some simpler type reports, but when you when you dig into some of the more complicated business reports, you you may end up that finding that yeah, it's not quite going to cut it. So you got to do it yourself or look around for something at third party. But luckily, there are some people that have built some stuff that uh, people can oh, yeah. grab onto. Yeah, Firebird. What you mentioned earlier was something. I think I had looked that up a little while ago because I did a blog post on how to connect to Firebird from Zojo, and I. I used ODBC, but the only problem I had with that is I, I could not, at the time, find an ODBC driver on the Mac side, so I could only connect to it from Windows. Oh. Well, and, you know, that's one of the interesting things about Windows to me is, for whatever reason, the all the ODBC stuff just seems to be there for Windows and easy to find and easy to get. Whenever I've tried it on Linux, uh, it always seems to be a huge pain. I don't think I've ever gotten ODBC to work on Linux. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I think I did get an ODBC connection on Linux to a SQL Server working one time, but that was a while back. Yeah, it's it. You know, you have to put things in certain secret places and edit certain secret files, and then oh, yeah. And I just haven't had enough success, or haven't, and I'm not in Linux enough to you know be able to, you know, intuit where these things might be or what, what, go, what's going wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, ODBC on windows is, is amazingly easy and you can find an ODBC driver for just about anything. Um, yeah. Without looking very hard. And, you know, everyone, like I said, that's what I used to connect to iSeries. Uh, you know, a little digging around an IBM site eventually led me to an ODBC driver that worked just fine. Oh yeah. And the Firebird driver. Work just fine. I just download and install it. I didn't have to do anything special. And then uh, Zojo connected right to it. Worked like a charm. I think back when I was originally connecting to Oracle back in like, you know, 2002, I used the ODBC driver back then because it wasn't a native Oracle driver. So, yeah, it's it's very handy. I, I, I really like using it for, for stuff like that. I've, I've had, uh, I've used it to connect to Fox Pro for uh, clients whose projects I've migrated in the past. Oh, yeah. Very handy. But, yeah, I just wish that on the Mac side it would be easier to set these things up. But, you know, take what you get, I guess. Yeah. 
And well, speaking of Windows, uh, you are a Windows user primarily. Is that right? I am. I, I well, I split my time between Windows and Linux. So at work, it's all Windows, and uh, at home, it's all Linux, except when I have to work on one of my kids' laptops. I can't get them to switch over to Linux yet because some of the curriculum that they have uh, that they use during the school year is on Windows only. So yeah, they have you, to that. You just set them up with a VM and you put Windows on that and then, you know, they can. Yeah. And I, I thought about that, but that's a lot of extra steps for a, a 13 year old and a 12 year old to do just to run, you know, a math program for 30 minutes. Okay. Well, maybe you have a point, but yeah. <laughs> Well, like I said, I went down that road mentally anyway for about 10 minutes and went, yeah, I, I can't do that to them. <laughs> well, on the on the Windows side, and we'll talk about Linux uh, a little bit after that. So what are your thoughts on the, the upcoming Windows 10, which is scheduled to start rolling out on the July 29th? Are you thinking that's something uh, at work you're going to be testing, switching to? Have you already been looking into it? Uh, you know, I have not looked into that yet at all. Um, I don't, business-wise, work-wise, I don't really see Windows 10 hitting us anytime soon. Uh, I probably would guess that two years from now, we'll start seeing it show up more and more on the server side. Um, and oh, then really? probably in another two, it'll start hitting the desktops more. So you think the server will, will get it first? Interesting. Yeah, I do, because people tend to go to the newer things for servers so that they can um, get the latest patches and updates. And as they deprecate Windows 7 and Windows 8, well, not really 8, but Windows 7, they'll, uh, they'll, make the, they'll skip 8 and go to 10, I imagine. Yeah, I expect that jumping from 7 to 10 is the way people are going to go. I imagine there's a lot of enterprise customers that are still on 7 right now and never wanted to do the jump to 8. Yes, I would 110% agree with that. I really think it's, I get the impression that Microsoft is going to be pretty aggressive on pushing 10 and trying to get, I mean, certainly consumers are probably going to upgrade pretty quickly to it. But I think enterprise is, you know, really where Microsoft's cash cow is. But I, I get the feeling they're going to be kind of aggressive there too and trying to get their enterprise customers upgraded. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. But uh, just as far as the regular laptop and desktop users, I just... I think it'll be at least three years before you really can walk into any business and go, oh, that's Windows 10. Hmm. I think most of them will continue running 7, and then maybe a few will switch to 8, and then they'll go to 10. But, I mean, I've been in IT for 20 years, and I just I haven't seen any kind of mass jump onto uh, an operating system like that. Yeah, you're you're probably right from an organization as whole. I'd say actually you're definitely right. I, I just have to remember back when I'm thinking back is that you know I've always been on the development team and an early adopter. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you know, if in my case, it's been like you know how much longer you know it just came out. How long do I got to wait? Like a week? I don't want to yes. wait a week. And yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I was one of the first people when Vista came out to put Vista on my development machine. Uh, oh bless your heart! When I was I was doing .NET development at the time, yeah, that was that was just so foolish. When I think back, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did that, and then I I think I might have put the 64-bit version too. And it, it, I had video card driver issues. Is at the time I had a dual monitor setup, and yeah. we had I don't remember what we had for machines, but they weren't super sophisticated, and 
I had managed to rig up a dual monitor setup by scouring a different video card off of some other dead machine. So I had oh. two, I had two different video cards into in this tower, and, and uh, you changed the IRQ settings to make sure they wouldn't interfere. And... They didn't they didn't interfere, but they were different brands, which worked perfectly fine with XP. But Vista, no, your two cards <laughs> had to be the same brand, or you couldn't run them. Really? So I lost a monitor, boom, right out of the box. And that didn't make me happy. And then what, what made me even less happy was there was issues with Visual Studio running on Vista, which you're like, what? Both of those are made by Microsoft. But uh, <laughs> the, the version of Visual Studio I was using at the time would not properly run. I think it might have been a 64-bit version of Vista incompatible with the 32 version of Visual Studio. I forget now. This was like 10 years ago or more. But yeah. It was it was a, a not a good pleasant experience. I, the only thing that kind of saved me was I had a backup laptop at the time that I kept with XP, and I oh, I, that was I, smart. I used that for about a month and a half while the the other issues got uh, addressed. If I remember right, Vista was rolled out in two phases, so it came out to enterprise people first, and I did wait a few months before I rolled it out, but I didn't wait long enough. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I will confess a little sin here. I I actually stayed on XP up until about two and a half years ago. Oh, goodness. Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, I still have an XP VM sitting around here somewhere, but I don't know the last time I started it. Yeah. Yeah, I've got one of those too, just in case. Yeah, hey, you know, you keep it around until it doesn't start anymore, and then you're like, oh, well. Uh, but uh, Yeah. Yeah, I do have Windows 10 running in a VM now. I've been running all the tech previews for testing and playing around and seeing stuff. And it's not bad. I, I, I think I'll probably switch to it, you know, almost immediately. But, you know, I, I have multiple VMs and, you know, I can just flip up between them as needed. So sure. if something bad happens, I just say, all right, well, why don't we hold off on that one? I was worried though when I did the last technical preview update. It uh, downloaded everything, did its little okay, I'm going to restart now. And it's really weird because Windows 10 talks to you in the first person. Really? So the messages all say, I'm going to restart your computer now. And you're like, who are you? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, Hal, I can't open the door. But so, you know, it, it, you know, told me it was going to restart and then it restarted and then it said, I'm applying updates now or something like that. And then it just froze. Oh, and and I had forgotten to do a snapshot before, of course. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, if, if this completely hoses, it's not the end of the world. I don't have anything on the VM, but then I'll have to download the ISO and do a wipe and reinstall everything. And, you know, who wants to do that? No, that's just painful. So I just went to the VM menu and I just picked, you know, shut the, I, I, mean, I think I did like force power off or something and just restarted the VM and it booted up and finished the installation and seems to be fine. <laughs> so go figure. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, you never, you never know. Oh yeah, and then, though after that, that's right. After that, finished installing, everything looked fine, and then, but I couldn't click on anything. The mouse would move around on the screen, but I couldn't click on anything. Now, well, you, that's kind of a problem in Windows. Well, you'd think that'd be a problem, but I mean, Windows is pretty good about having by default keyboard control of most things. So I was actually able to run the OS via the keyboard uh, without clicking and to figure out, you know, I, I don't know that I figured out specifically what the problem was, but I was able to do stuff like reboot and check some drivers and stuff like that. I ended up finding on the VMware site that 
I had to edit a configuration file that was on the OS X app bundle and tell it that my mouse was not a USB device, but was a keyboard device or something. And then once I did that and, you know, reset and restart everything, it started working, but. Oh, now that's crazy. Yeah, I've never had to do that before. But, you know, I am dealing with a beta OS. So, you know, I suppose things like that will happen. Yes, betas are known for being odd. Yeah, and now I'm running the beta of OS X, but only in a virtual machine as well. Because, you know, that's the place to test these things. If something bad happens, you just delete it and start over. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, the VM, the whole virtual thing has really saved a lot of time and Headache and heartache, I think. Yeah, I agree. You must use that a lot for databases. Um, yeah, actually, where I'm at right now, um, if we want uh, a new development environment, we basically go out to a catalog and say, give me one from column A, one from column B, and one from column C, and punch run, and it builds the machine for us. And then 10 minutes later, we've got a dev environment. Yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. Exactly. Yeah, it's just great to be able to just spool up something that quickly. Yeah, the whole that whole virtualization stuff, virtualization stuff is fabulous. Yeah, I first got hooked on that. You know, I might have been like 2007 or so. I was still doing .NET work primarily, and and then I was using Microsoft tools, and we were we were moving over for source control from CVS. I don't know if you ever heard of CVS. Yes, I'm familiar with CVS. And uh, we were switching to Microsoft's Team Foundation server, which uh, I think has a different name now. So yeah. and I, and I was in charge of that project, and uh, we had a dedicated server that was hosting CVS. And when I was doing all the research for the Team Foundation server, I was like, you know, Microsoft, you know, because we had MSDN stuff, and Microsoft gives us all these tools, and we're not using them. We should see if they can help. And it turned out the virtualization software was just a great way to take and then get some new racks in and then partition them differently. And it ended up being a much better way to manage all that. And taking the backups is just much, much better. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who does uh, consulting and he ha- he moves all of his clients to VMware. And so their desktops just basically go into the VM cloud and they start up their machines or they leave them running and they log on to those and that's where they do all their work. He says it's it has saved him so much time. Yeah, they can't mess anything up, really. No, uh-uh. And if they do, it's not a big deal. You just drop it and recreate it. Well, speaking of messing things up, you said that home you primarily use Linux. I do. I and, love it. And you love it. You're well. That's that's. I don't think I got that from you when we were talking at XDC. So you must have talked a bit with Kevin Cully. Yeah, uh, you, you know, oddly enough, he and I did talk for a while, but I don't know that Linux ever came up. Beekeeping came up. Beekeeping. Uh, he loves talking about his bees. Yeah, but well, yeah. He, he usually always somehow will switch from bees to Linux because they're related in some way. But, uh, <laughs> I, I wasn't aware of that connection. I, now I get the connection between Linux and penguins. But uh, not bees. That's a new one. So you use Linux at home. So you do you run this on special computers that you build, or are you just uh, and what distributions are you working with? Uh, primarily, I use Kubuntu. Uh, that's my favorite. Okay. Uh, al- although I just got in a new hard drive, one of the uh, hybrid ones that's part SSH or SSD 
and uh, the regular. Mm-hmm. And that one I'm actually loading with uh, Linux Mint. That's the one I primarily use. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that one I really like. And so I think I'm going to end up switching to that one because uh, I've been messing around with it in some of the VMs. And it seems to play nicer with Zojo than any of the others. Yeah, um, Mint, I don't know what uh, it is, but it seems to have a much faster graphics subsystem that really is working much better with Zojo than some of the other distributions. Yes, I, I would agree 110% on that one. Um, so anyway, I'm, I think I'm going to switch to that. Now, I, my machine has 8 gig of memory, so I'm, it'll be 64-bit that I install, so it'll be interesting to see how it behaves there. Uh, but I'll keep spinning up the 32-bit ones just for putzing around in Zojo. Right, yeah. Uh, with Mint, from what I've heard from people, you can get Zojo running on 64-bit Mint without as much work Yeah, as some other ones. I think what people have been doing if they you know, run into something where they can't get the library to pull down and install is they fire up a 32-bit VM within 64-bit OS and run what they need that way. Again. Yeah, and that's, and that's what I do. Yeah, VMs to the rescue again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I just uh, I've been using Linux for about the same amount of time that I've been using uh, Real Basic Zojo, and um, it, it, it's come a long, long ways. They have made vast improvements in the OS, and it's to me, it's just a, a real fun operating system. I love being able to open up a terminal and start typing and get stuff done, rather than having to click and hunt and peck and do all that sort of thing. Well, that's fascinating. Well, yeah, you should definitely uh, get in touch with uh, Kevin and uh, and chat uh, Linux stuff, as I know he's always uh, a big promote, proponent of Linux and uh, loves talking about it with people. Yeah, I, he and I talk. Like I said, we talked for a while at XDC, and I really enjoyed his uh, com- his uh, company. So I, I do. I need to reconnect with him. Now, do you use OS ten as well? Uh, you know what? We just bought our first Mac. And so, and it's my wife's computer. And so I, I kind of let her go first in that way. Um, but we're learning together more or less on that one. Okay. But I, I like it. So at, at home, you're going to, you're going to have all three now. You're going to have an OS 10 machine. You've got some windows machines that the kids use. You got your Linux machines. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a little bit of everything. It's great fun. <laughs> a true, Geek's heaven is playing with all those things. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, my, it's funny, but my wife, uh, she looks at me and goes, why couldn't you have been one of those geeks that likes the toys instead of all the, the programming and stuff? <laughs> because she likes the toys. She thinks that's really cool. And I'm going, yeah, I, A, it's expensive to like all the toys. And B, I just don't have the time for that. I'd much rather spend it, you know, writing code. Well, one toy thing that might help in the future is the um, the Raspberry Pi stuff that Zojo will be able to build too. Oh yes, I've got one. You already have a Raspberry Pi, yeah. And, yes, uh, two actually. And yeah, those are kind of often used to interfaces to control geek toys, if you will. And oh yeah. So maybe there'll be some way you can uh, merge the two to uh, make your wife happy. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I use one of them right now for. Um, basically a media player. Yep. That's, it seems to be a common thing people use those for. Yeah. It works great. And I've got a couple ideas and things that I'm, I may give a shot with uh, Zojo on once that, once I can compile to that target. 
Neat. Yeah, we've got a lot of people that have uh, have their Raspberry Pis that are just waiting to uh, work on different ideas they've been jotting down. So we're excited to get that out for people to play with. All right. So you're down in Texas, if I recall correctly. I am down in Texas. I am in uh, far north Dallas in a little city called Little Elm. Okay. Not that uh, I've basically, heard of that, but, uh, so it's in the Dallas area. That'll that'll certainly pinpoint. It, it is. We sit between Frisco and Louisville Lake, basically. Okay. Well, that that's quite a, a weather difference from here. Then I was I was telling Craig for our listeners beforehand is pretty much since XTC, I've had some sort of cold or sinus infection nonstop, and I told him I'm blaming the Texas air on it on, <laughs> until further notice. So. <laughs> yeah, that's just silly. <laughs> Hey, I don't, I don't know. I, I've been to Texas before, though. That's the weird thing. So, you know, obviously, it, it probably can't be that. But <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. You need to cut. You need to move down here and just get acclimated. Get acc- Well, I certainly think I, I may appreciate the heat, but uh, it's uh, it's been a chilly summer even up here in the Northeast. So I think tomorrow the temperature is supposed to break eighty. So that'll be <laughs> that'll be exciting. Well, good for you. We've been in the 90s for a while now. 90. I think we actually hit 90 once this year. Back in <laughs> back in May of all. Yeah, there's been plenty of summers where it's never hit 90 here. Um, wow. Yeah, it's a whole other world when you uh, go, you know, a thousand miles north. Yeah, funny how that works. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm just checking over a list, but uh, is there anything else you wanted to bring up or talk about? You know, the only other thing I'd like to add is that uh, XTC was a wonderful experience. Uh, it was so much fun to be able to get out and meet so many people that I had chatted with in the forums and listened to online. And it, it was it was just fabulous. Uh, I, I kind of kicked myself that I haven't stayed in touch with anybody or very few people uh, since then. But it, it is just it, it was great. I, if you haven't had a chance to go, I would encourage you to go. I know you've gone. I'm speaking broadly to the audience, right? Right, you're speaking to the listeners. Yes, yes, yeah. I've, yes. Yeah, I've been, I've been to a lot of them, as you might imagine. But uh, yeah, I, I got to echo Craig's comments. XCC is wonderful. It's it's fabulous hanging out with everybody and chatting and talking about stuff and showing code and asking questions. And it's definitely a blast. And uh, and uh, for people that aren't aware, it was recorded this past year, and I'm told the recordings are very very close to being finished and uh, will be made available to XDC attendees and others as well soon. So, you know, I don't know exactly when this podcast will be published, but, you know, maybe they'll be out by the time the podcast publish. Who knows? But it should oh, be right around. Right. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of material. There's something like 30 to 40 hours of sessions that are recorded with lots of well, a bit of varying topics. So it should be pretty good. Yeah, it was. There were a lot of great sessions there. All right. Well, Craig, I want to thank you for being on Zoja Talk. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. I've enjoyed it. And I want to remind our listeners that be sure to subscribe to Zoja Talk on uh, the links that are in the blog post or in your show notes. You can do that on iTunes or direct from your podcast client of choice. And that is helpful information for us to track and know how many people are listening to the show. So thanks everyone for listening. 